0: Here's Neymar now, Cavani is there. The Saint-Etienne has surely won it in the 89th minute. Kalu for Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Thobert. Oh, Kylian Mbappé wraps
1: oh, oh. it up. Bonjour et bienvenue. Welcome along to Le Beau Ligue 1 has returned. It returned with a bang at the weekend. And uh, we will be... Looking at all of the weekend action and looking forward to what promises to be an enthralling season. Paris Saint-Germain and Lyon got off to flyers. There were victories for Lille and Saint-Étienne and uh, already some problems in Monaco and uh, some problems for Marseille. My name is Matt Spiro. Thank you very much to David Crossan for doing such a wonderful uh, job of hosting last weekend. And I can... uh, uh, inform you all that David is with us again this morning, looking in uh, in in great shape. The beard hasn't been hasn't been shaved off over the summer. That's controversial, but otherwise all good, Dave. Yeah, very good, Matt. Thanks uh, thanks for the in- introduction there. Checks in the post. <laughs> no problem. We've got a super team for you today, David Cross, opposite me, um, Robbie Thompson, who uh, is looking is looking good looking tanned a bit a bit, a bit tired after a, a a
2: late finish last night at the Parc des Princes but uh thank you Matt welcome that's all
1: right and Andy Andy's Andy yeah for a Scotsman he's he's, <laughs> he's looking fairly tanned as well freshly <laughs> back from uh from Montreal from, from Canada is that I've right I've been
0: in Canada yeah just back in time for the start of the new season can you get a tan in Canada the weather was fantastic in Canada bit of Remy yeah. tourism Great country, and yeah, I even took in a Montreal Impact game, catching up on that's, some that's it. former that's Ligue 1 like. stars, Remy Gard, Bakary Sanya, Safir Taider, all the rest of them.
1: How's Remy Gard getting on in Montreal?
0: Not too bad, yeah. The, the game I saw them in was actually the Canadian Championship, would you believe. I saw the fixture and I thought, what is this? And uh, they're through to the latter stages of the Canadian Championship, and they're doing well. Now they're playing. In, so. Is
2: that a cup, or they're playing in two league, two different leagues? Uh,
0: well, I hope we've not got any Canadian listeners because I don't know too much. But they, they the, the Canadian Championship determines who goes into the CONCACAF Champions I hope League. We do have Canadian listeners, yeah, and they, can, uh, <laughs> they can fill us in, and perhaps. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> we a fa- a fascinating the fascinating learning curve.
1: So, yeah. Just to say that that's what I like about you, and I mean, there's lots of things I like about you, but you know, the, what do watching, you not like about me? You're watching the Canadian <laughs> Championship, you, you, you watch Dundee United when you get the chance, and what all of that means is when you get to commentate Lee Gunn at the weekend, you think you're watching Real Barca. I mean, it's like incredible, isn't yeah, yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah so it's yeah good to be back good to be back good to be back Andy was commentating um, last night at the Parc des Prouts Paris Saint-Germain against Nîmes here's what happened
0: Edinson Cavani, PSG's record goal scorer smashes in the spot kick Marquinhos for the Bernat Bernat brings it down cuts him back from Mbappé smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappé Pape Di Maria in space. Surely three 0 Angel Di Maria, what an impact from the substitute.
1: So a good victory for Paris Saint-Germain. Before we get into the analysis, a, a reminder that you can listen to the official Ligue 1 podcast, also known as Le Beau Jeu, on Deezer, on Spotify, on iTunes, on all the main platforms, and you can get in touch with us. We always welcome your emails. Our address is Ligue 1 Podcast at gmail.com hope to hear from you soon Andy um PSG against nimes 3-0 business as usual it wasn't flamboyant was it it took a it took a bit of time to get going what what would be your conclusions generally a, a positive night for Paris
0: yeah I mean just a, a a routine victory completely I mean obviously they were um they weren't brilliant in the first half and they were certainly helped by the the penalty award. Um, I think there is something to say about that because, yes, it was a penalty. The handball um, from Pablo Martinez in in the box from the corner, only spotted by VAR and eventually given by referee Clement Turpin after a review. Um, It was a penalty under the new interpretation of the handball law. It just rather hammers home the point of modern football these days. It's it's already stacked against the smaller teams, and when when you throw in things like that little things that might have been a break that had gone in favor of the smaller team in the past these days they can't but get the away rules with it the same
1: for the smaller team and for the bigger team so i mean well of,
0: it's of course but you know in this in this instance you know Neem were were defending they were behind the ball but they were relatively relatively comfortable i would say in the first half and you know psg missed a few chances but without that penalty award cavani took the penalty brilliantly you know the game could have been uh, even for longer and then PSG just got away from them in the second half, obviously Kylian Mbappé again very impressive with a goal and an assist and Angel Di Maria again coming off the bench and, and playing a starring role. It, it, there's not too much that can be read into that match, I mean Nîmes' uh, budget going by L'Equipe's um, figures for the beginning of the season is €27 million, Euros. PSG spent €32 million on Abdou Diallo and by all accounts that's a, a, a low key signing for them. So. The difference between these clubs, we all know, it's huge. Neem um, didn't. I don't think they could really have ever expected anything uh, much better. They've lost a lot of good players in the summer. It's a win for PSG, and and you'd expect nothing less.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a long season for for Neem. They they could have trouble. They've like you say, they've lost a lot of players, and uh, they're hoping to get to get a few more in before the end of the month. Um, I just go to Robbie, who keeps a very close eye on on Paris Saint Germain, Pablo Sorabia. Um, was one of the new players who, who started and impressed again last night. And I know Di Maria came on and got the goal, but Sarabia gave the Neem defenders a lot of problems p- before that and possibly tired them out. He's he's settling in well, isn't he? He he is, and he's exactly what the coach wanted. And Andy just
2: mentioned Diallo being a low-key signing. Pablo Sarabia had a fantastic season, obviously, and could have gone wherever he wanted. But for Paris Saint-Germain and what we've seen over the last few years, he's another low-key signing. And same with Ander Herrera. And perhaps, and Idrissa Gay even, and perhaps that's exactly what Paris Saint Germain needed this year. And when the thing that impresses me most with Pablo Sarabia is the work rate and the intensity. As soon as there's a turnover, he's he, and we always talk about it the attacker has to be the first defender. He really is. He's pressure on immediately, he, he closes down space, and it's, it's, it's contagious. You see, the rest of the team, all the midfielders doing that, Verratti for the third goal, it's him that pressuring the, the right back of Nim to win back possession. And there you have that third goal in a quick transition against a side that are playing with eight players in their own penalty box.
3: Slightly different position for Marco Verratti last night as well, playing on the the left side of the the 4-3-3 and um, linking up very well with Kylian Mbappe who, if he does play wide, is always going to be better if he plays wide on the left. And we saw him score goal after goal from that position admittedly in a 4-4-2 at Monaco. But if he does play wide and he says he's not after Edinson Cavani's number nine role, then I can see that Virati Mbappe link being very fruitful all year. One
2: point about the the very famous, I want more responsibility, which we've been talking about uh, ever since that night at yeah, the awards ceremony. That, Rob, you're going to
1: get a pay rise. Killian. Are oh, you talking about Killian? Sorry.
2: How about the <laughs> the point where where the penalty is given and Killian walks all the way across to the touchline where the Paris Saint-Germain bench is to not be involved in any sort of anything that could possibly can be construed as who's going to take this penalty is there a power struggle he just got removed himself from the situation he's not very good at them though is it he Rob? Was, so it's best well, that the he's Edison, not the new edisons missed what four of his last six or something in league as well he's, he's scored 25 from 20 in his in, in his club career 20. 20 from 25 <laughs> <laughs> he is good That's my my maths and ages are not my are not my strength um, but i thought that was very mature of killian and i think uh, perhaps this year we're going to see an even more mature Kylian Mbappe, and that's frightening for Liga.
1: He's getting a yeah, very, very mature lad already. I'm going to play devil's advocate slightly and say there, there are one or two negatives hovering over Paris Saint Germain at the moment in terms of the performances. Um, Tilo Kehrer, not everybody is particularly happy with him playing at, at right back and doesn't contribute very much going forward. Julian Draxler is a guy that I've been waiting to 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 click into gear at Paris Saint Germain and it's just not happening and he was pretty ineffective I thought last night and the other big cloud is of course the the Neymar cloud not involved yesterday by all accounts because um, beca- because there were concerns that the fans would boo him there were some um, well, that's not some, an some, official concern no that's not, that's official, not, concern, not official concern but there was that's what I've heard there were some <laughs> some banners as well telling Neymar to get out of the club basically um, it's 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 a problem a big problem that needs to be sorted out and it is looking increasingly likely. I'll just make make the observation that certainly when I was listening to Thomas Tuchel after the match and Kylian Mbappe and they were both talking as if, as, if, as if there is a big issue with Neymar. They're basically saying, of course, we have to be realistic. We have to see what's going to happen with Neymar. So it's not like they're not saying now Neymar is staying, which sounds to me like there is an acceptance. He is going.
2: I think there's an issue with Neymar insofar as By all accounts, Neymar doesn't want to play for Paris Saint-Germain anymore. And uh, Leonardo spoke to journalists on Saturday morning uh, during the press conference and said, look, while his future is unclear with Paris Saint-Germain, he is not available for selection. Thomas Tuchel then said he still hasn't trained. He took another knock in training today, so he hasn't had a full week's training. So we can't expect him to play in Ligue 1 yet. But the official word is that while his future remains unclear, he's not going to play for Paris Saint-Germain. Now, the issue is that it's not a personal issue between Kylian Mbappé and Neymar or between Thomas Tuchel and Neymar. Every player wants to play with the best players in the world if their player wants to play there. They want to play with players that will help them win trophies. That's the case. Any team in the world would like to play with a Neymar who wants to play there, is fit and playing
3: at his best. My concern would be that uh, the longer this situation goes on, the more Neymar's value decreases. If the fans look like yeah. they're desperate for Neymar to leave, and the club look like they're desperate for Neymar it to leave, then he's obviously in. not worth as much as he was four weeks ago.
1: No, I mean Andy, mm. uh, is it? Would it be better for Paris Saint-Germain to 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 get this deal done and to get mm. Neymar out of the club and perhaps one or two players
0: in? Well, I have thought for quite a long time now that you know, going back a few months, that. Going forward, what PSG need to do is 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 get get rid of Neymar. I mean, the the soap opera around him, everything about his private life, it does distract from what's happening on the field. Um, in that sense, moving on Neymar, I think would be good for him. It would be good for PSG in the long term. It would be good for all of us uh, who 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 cover them. I think it would give us a a, fresh, a bit of freshness about it. I think there's enough quality there. Uh, without Neymar to still have a very competitive team. The likelihood is that if he does leave, I mean, Real Madrid are looking at the moment like the more likely ones to be able to do a deal for him. This is the other issue. There's only two clubs who can really afford to put together a deal. Barcelona, there's a lot of, you know, it's unclear whether that's going to happen. Real, real Madrid is the other one. Move, uh, it's a no very difficult deal on so many levels. And But there, it, there's a real possibility that if he does move to one of them, then players will be included in the deal who will help uh, reinforce PSG. But, you know, I think when you look at the bigger picture, they've strengthened in very important areas in the summer in the defence and midfield, which they needed to do. They've added depth and they've signed good players, if not the most spectacular players. But when you look at the, the real bigger picture, which is winning the Champions League, that's what it's all about. You have to say that without Neymar beating a team like Manchester City, who probably are the reference point now in European football at this moment in time, you would say that Paris Saint-Germain, with Mbappé, with all the fine players they have, Di Maria and so on, but without a player of Neymar's star quality, is that enough for them to, to beat a team like Manchester City when it comes to the crunch? And that's the question at the moment. mm why? Yeah, many questions. question that, but, some would say but, Liverpool but, are the <laughs> reference because they're well, Champions League yeah, holders. Exactly. But if you can do course, it with course, with, with, Milner,
1: with Milner, with Wijnaldum, Fabinho, and, and Henderson in midfield, or whatever, you know, but, pa- it's, but it's, it's about it's about a team, isn't it? It's about team strength.
0: Of course. I mean, the point. Of, I mean, Paris Saint Germain beat Liverpool in the Champions League last season, and you know who who knows what would have happened if they met in the knockout stages. But
2: no, not comfortably. Comfortably at the Park, they but,
0: but they did beat them. Spectacular match. But you know, I think everyone would agree that Manchester City are the dominant force in English club game, and they look like they might be getting there in a the European game as well. And, and when you compare the two, I don't know, I think I just think that Neymar does give you that something special, but right well, now well, there's that's a real you doubt. You can compare to the weather. recruitment
3: strategy as well, because Manchester City broke their transfer record just nudging past 65, 70 million euros mm-hmm. to sign Rodri this year, which is a yeah, third te- of what team Neymar building. cost. Yeah. Uh, so the, the way Paris Saint-Germain have gone about putting their squad together, getting in Gay and Sarabia and Herrera, Herrera on a free, so a combined total of about 50 million that's under a quarter of Neymar. I think it's a much better way of going about putting together a team rather than pinning it all on one player. If Neymar goes, Paris Saint-Germain will have freed
2: up a lot of cash. Who's to say they don't bring in another huge name or they don't go in for, for, for another big star? Apart from the question of whether it's good or not for Paris Saint-Germain, time will tell. The results in Europe and in, and in France will tell. But how about for the league? How about for Ligue 1 not having well, that's right. I, a player, that's one of the top say. three players in the world? For PSG, world. you can debate whether it's In Italy, good or bad. there's Ronaldo. For, Ligue,
1: for Ligue 1, it's unquestionably bad. And, you know, I was so excited when Zlatan arrived and he mm. totally lived up to his billing. And, and Neymar hasn't. And that's partly be, been because of injuries. Um, but if he leaves this summer, the two seasons will not have left a huge kind of imprint no. in Ligue 1 history.
0: No, but other good players will come in and, you know, Paris Saint-Germain will reinvest the money in, in real top quality players this is the thing I mean you know Neymar has been a great player when he's played but it's not happened often enough and too too often there have been distractions which have taken away from it what he can do on the field and um, you know th- there there are positives and negatives to a possible departure of Neymar that's for sure if he ends up staying he'll play and uh, he'll he'll be great to watch.
1: We're going to be keeping a very close eye on the Neymar situation in the next uh, couple of weeks, so do do stick with us for more Neymar chat. We're going to move on to look at other teams, but first, I'm going to have my, my coup de gueule, the first coup de gueule uh, of the season, I believe. Now, a coup de gueule is uh, is a rant. It's uh, it's a much shorter word in uh, in English, but uh, we always have things we need to get off our chest at the beginning of the week. So here we go.
3: Oh merde! Quelle bande de chèvres! C'est mon coup de gueule.
1: Right, I want to talk about France and, in particular, Paris in August because I am in uh, in Paris. I'm living in Paris, and actually, it's fantastic Paris in August because everybody leaves. Um, so it's like you've got the tourists, but all the Parisians go. And I know people say, "Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's holiday time." You know, in, in all countries we have holiday time where a lot of people leave. But it is in in France, it is just it is crazy. It's like 98 time, it? or 99 percent of the people go on holiday in August, so nothing happens. All the shops are shut. Or you know, I've I've currently got a leak in my house, and it is a total nightmare trying to trying to get hold of a hold of a plumber. Everybody is on holiday, and um, I'm doing my best to to plug this 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 leak. I've got to find it first, but I'll <laughs> fill you in on that next week. What how it impacts on league 1 is that people don't go to to football as much because they're on holiday, and and the the attendances are always lower. In August, So we were debating before we went on this pod, you know, why, why does league 1 start so early? Couldn't we push it back a, a bit later? But I would turn that around and say, why can't people go on holiday in July? I mean, I go on holiday in July <laughs> and I'm back for the, for the football season and it's, and and it's great. Well, so, the first
2: week of July, kids are still at school, I think until about the first week of July. Generally. So you take yeah. three
1: weeks like I did. It's, yeah. it's ample, honestly, it's plenty guys, you know, you don't need the whole month. And, um, you know, I know. Yeah, they, all watch, they 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 do watch the games on telly, but we need these stadiums. We need these stadiums to be full at the uh, at the start of the season. Some of them are, but uh, but a lot of them aren't. So, mes amis français, football supporters, get you know talk talk to your families. Or go on holiday where you know your team's going to be playing in a away match in the in the two or three. Yeah, or weeks if you're, when you're in the you're, south, on holiday. Make sure you know you get to Montpellier or, or Marseille at the weekend. I like the allusion to the holiday
3: period at Nice at the weekend at the Alliance Riviera, the, the Nice hardcore fans were throwing around inflatable dolphins and Lilos and things, and we know that Nice are on the verge of being taken over by the billionaire Jim Ratcliffe, Britain's richest man. And any time I read about this in the French press they say the deal's set to be completed around about August the fifteenth. August the 15th is the big public holiday right in the middle of August. Yes, no now I was thinking to, to myself, done. how are they going to find all the legal representatives to do the necessary paperwork? And Impossible. then possible. Well, you'd have to send your electoral... Well, the fact is they're all in the south of day. France anyway. Yeah. They're all on holiday, yeah. so maybe they can offer them enough money to get this Nice deal through, to and give- we can see what happens and whether Patrick Vieira is going to be happy with the potential
2: repercussions of it. But
1: you're right, the French transfer window is open all of August, but imagine trying to get a transfer done in August in France.
2: We'll try to get anything done bureaucratically, (laughs) administratively. It's like, to give people an idea, it's like a giant siesta in Spain at about four o'clock in the afternoon. That's what the month of August is in France. There is just... A calm, quiet, but isn't it brilliant driving through Nothing.
1: Paris? Let's 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 move on. Let's move on because there's so much to talk about as ever. Um, we're going to talk about Lyon, who for a lot of people are going to be um, PSG's closest rivals this season. They certainly uh, made a, a positive start on Friday night, the opening fixture of the season. And uh, Robbie Thompson himself was commentating this one at Stade Louis II. In it comes. It's a good ball, and it's in the back of the net. Moussa
2: Dembele, last season's top scorer, with Olympic Lyonnais. Depay, Depay, oh, straight through Benjamin Lecomte. And Lyon do have that second goal. With Thiago Mendes, oh, it's well played, it's a fantastic goal. And it's a rare goal from Luca
1: Tuzar. So, Robbie, 3-0 to Lyon, it, it all went a bit pair shaped pretty pretty quickly. An early goal for Dembélé, a sending mm-hmm. off for for Fabregas, um, which again went to the VAR. And there's a lot of debate. Did Fabregas intentionally step on the on the Lyon player? It finished three nil. A Monaco, first of all, a Monaco in trouble already. I I don't know if Monaco are in trouble. They certainly have players missing. They had three
2: players suspended for the opening match, including Alexander Golovin, uh, Falcao, Falcao, and. Yeah. Uh, Keita Balde so they had no one up front they only scored 38 goals last season so scoring goals was a problem for them only won a game and they start this match without two of well without their two first choice strikers in midfield they had Hendricks uh, Cesc Fabregas and Jemison in midfield and Jemison in midfield so that's two defenders alongside Cesc Fabregas Cesc Fabregas is then sent off after half an hour so you have a right back well Hendricks can also Hendricks can also play in midfield. Not Jimmy, not. <laughs> but he uh, he he is mostly a right back, and they, they, they lack creativity. They lack a the dominant force. Can we just please? And I know no one. We we spoke about this before. We didn't want to get bogged down in VAR. But for 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 me, it was not a penalty last night at the Parc des Princes, and for Cesc Fabregas, I don't think. Um, it should have been a red card for Cesc Fabregas either.
0: Sorry, can I just ask you, why, yeah. why, why wasn't it a penalty at the Parti prince.
2: Because I think the player is putting his arm out to, to find the defender, uh, to find uh, Marquinhos mm. in front of him. So it's, for me, it's a natural position. Marquinhos should head of the ball. And when you look at it in super slow motion, you see the hand moving towards the ball. But he's looking for where Marquinhos is and the ball is actually coming like that He has no chance to put his arm anywhere else and a natural position for a defender's arms are not behind his back when he's contesting a header from a corner. Fabregas's red card as well. Fabregas couldn't believe that he got a yellow card for it. The replay makes it look like it
1: could have been on purpose. Certainly the stud marks down the back of Leo Dubois' leg were also... That could be so costly for for Monaco because Fabregas, how many games is he going to get if that's deemed a violent well exactly and, but already for three this matches, match he's... they lose that match yeah. because he's
2: their one chance of trying to stay in that match after the early goal and he's going to miss the next match and they're a side that are low on confidence that have come out of a disastrous season
1: but it's I'm, I'm a huge ramification I'm wondering we'll come back to, to Leon, but I'm wondering if Jardim has lost his, his his magic, Andy or Dave. One of you, one of you, come in on this because when I looked at the starting eleven, Hen- okay, he's lacking central midfielders, but Henrik is is a right back or certainly a wide player, wing back or or, or a right back. Jemison totally lost confidence last season, was dreadful at centre back, so he's playing him in central midfield. He obviously you know need solutions, but you look at that, you look at Lyle Foster, the the debutant playing up front. Okay. Falcao was suspended. They're trying to bring in a, another striker, but there were different options. You could have played Gelson Martins and Ronnie Lopez through the middle. I mean, he could have found different solutions. And, uh, and Jonathan Panzo as well, you know, an 18-year-old starting at, at centre-back. First back. ever
2: Liga match for Jonathan Panzo and for Against Leon. I
1: mean, mm. I don't know. I don't know. Are we still confident, Jardim? Knows I think a lot will doing? depend
3: on what happens between now and September the 2nd, Matt, with the transfer window, because they do need players in. And from what I've seen in the French press this morning so by the time you listen to this these deals may or may not already have happened if they get Timuay Bakayoko back in on loan that will solve a lot of those midfield problems they need a player of his energy in there and if they get Ben Yedder up front then they've got a focal point even better if Falcao does stay for the season Uh, I think I was optimistic I said this on last week's podcast for Monaco this season because I thought they were getting back to the style that uh, helped them to the title I don't expect them to do as well as that but with that mobility wide and ability to score goals,
1: break at pace, I think Jardim will get there in the end. Yeah, I think so too. Mm. And they've bought a good right back in Ruben Aguilar, another guy from Montpellier, Benjamin Leconte, who I don't think made a single mistake last season and managed to let a Memphis Depay uh, free kick go it through was, him. It
2: was strange. The, the, I, I thought he was unsighted watching, watching the game. He just does not move until the last moment. And, and when you see the replay from behind the goal... He has a perfect, he has perfect vision of the shot from Depay right from the time it leaves. He's French be.
3: goalkeepers, Matt. I know, just to explain this he to our listeners, any time a, a goalkeeper, an English goalkeeper makes a mistake, our French colleagues just like to say English goalkeeper. So I'm just going to say French goalkeeper.
1: <laughs> and that's it. French goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, that's a coup de gueule for maybe another, another day. He's, he's an but, international. Well, hasn't played yet for France, Robbie, but he's in the squad. It was, it was a big day for Leon, no question. Because Silvino, I think there was already, I mean, it's hard to say there was pressure on him. It was his first league 1 game. He's the new manager. He's been appointed by Juninho the club legend who's come back as sporting director it's something of a revolution at Lyon with Jean-Michel Olas relinquishing a bit of power the president saying to Juninho you're you're the man you make all the sporting decisions um, it wasn't great in pre-season they only I think they only beat Arsenal so that doesn't you know <laughs> Mustafi, well, they their, their was, last Mustafi one was playing for Arsenal was a so that doesn't really defeat. count but Robbie um, great start and, and their big guns fired didn't they with Dembele scoring early um, Depay obviously getting the second goal. Luka Toussaint getting the uh, the third goal. Not not that he's a big gun, but but you know what I mean. I mean it 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 you know it went according to plan.
2: It did. I think the early goal really helped them. It was a great header from Dembele and a great because there's going to be more responsibility on Dembele and Depay particularly Depay with Fekir leaving. Now Depay is the man. There was always some should who should play where. Should one of them play through the middle? One out wide on the left. Now there's only Depay he's an important player for them and i think he he was always looking to make himself available he was very generous for his teammates he was he was working very hard for them always encouraging everyone it looked a, a promising memphis depay for me interesting that Thiago mendes played a more advanced role in midfield compared to that real number 6 he was at Lille. luca Tuza was sitting in there i don't think you can play luca tuzza higher up the field in, a, in yeah. a number eight position.
1: And Mendes did well. And Mendes did well.
2: He's a, he's, a, he's a fine player and I think he will flourish in this role. He's not quite the Tongi Ndombeli in terms of accelerating, taking players on one-on-one. Uh, interesting that, and probably, Silvino and Juninho will look to play with this 4-3-3. I think that will become their main staple formation. I don't think we'll see so much changing as we did under, under Genesio and perhaps that will help as well.
3: I thought it was interesting as a TV viewer was uh, when Yusuf Kone, who made his debut the left-back, replacing Ferlon Mendy, who went to Real Madrid, when he was interviewed just after being substituted, he was asked, well, why didn't you attack a bit more? And he said, well, Silvino told me to stay back. So I I think uh, Silvino, he comes across as having quite a sober style in the way he uh, interacts with everyone. Mm. And he's still working on his French. He's got Claudio Casapa in as a... Uh, well, he's a defensive coach, but also translator to help get the message across. Uh, but he's clearly telling his players, no, you, we don't want to have these imbalances. We don't want to get cut open the way that Genesio's side could be at times. So I, I see them as a, a very applied team. Let's see how this develops of as course, the
0: so, goes so, on. That was his position, wasn't it? Silvino played on that he side was, of the uh, defence. A and attacking. very attacking
3: yeah,
2: fullback as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. But uh, no, it's, it's going to be fascinating. I think Silvino's, yes, it's his first... Uh, top job first job as a as a head coach but he has you know accumulated a lot of uh, a lot of experience and i think leon supporters needed something fresh needed something different it had gone stale and i think that victory was was crucial because they they need to get confidence and they need to get belief and i think the press were building up a bit of pressure on them with these negative results and they were kind of ready to say Genesio wasn't actually as bad as as you guys with mm. were thinking
0: yeah, I mean, I mean, the, you say it had gone stale, but Lyon was still uh, very entertaining to watch last season, if not a bit unpredictable. Um, but a lot of disappointments. A I mean, lot, yeah, know, a lot they, of disappointments. They can't I mean, in the hopes cup, because, in because they keep losing against
2: little I mean, teams. They, of course, yeah, they, so they they should out on second place, but they're in the yeah. Champions League. But it was more in the cup competitions. Of course, they, yeah. They I mean, f-
0: failing to get to the final of the the French Cup, losing at home to Rennes in the semi final was was uh, was a huge disappointment. But the potential has but always they, been there. Obviously, they've taken they've taken risks by um, by selling. Players who wanted to leave and it was time for them to go, but but so many big changes, players coming in, you're never quite sure how it's going to turn out. But certainly, you you would you would expect, you would hope that they can be the give Paris Saint Germain some kind of a challenge for for towards the top of the table this season, even if uh, the prospect of winning the league is uh, likely to be well beyond them.
1: We talk about um, about Monaco and is Jardim losing losing the plot? I don't know. I just wonder whether there's a a pre-Luis Campos and a post-Luis Campos. This guy just keeps impressing me, and um, he is now the head of uh, recruitment, the sporting director at Lille. We saw what Lille did 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 last season with Pepe, Bamba, Ikoné. It was sensational, and they kind of uh, continued uh, where they left off at at the weekend by by beating Nantes. David Crossham was was commentating. This one here's what happened. Aussie men, Aussie his first chance in Lille colours, and he scores
3: a dream debut for the Nigerian international. Chelsea in, trying to turn Vague, Aussie men,
1: and it's in a
0: double for the Nigerian.
1: David, uh, what did you make of uh, what was something of a, a new look Lille? Um, obviously, a good win for them. Well, I want to talk
3: about Aussie men and this has got nothing to do with Robbie Thompson or indeed Steve Smith, who is the bane of my summer, but Victor Ozzymen, uh, another Luis Campos hey, You've been
1: working on that all weekend, haven't you? Yeah, you know, it's improvised.
3: All of my jokes are improvised on this show. People should know that. <laughs>
1: Victor Ozzymen.
3: Victor Ozzymen. Fantastic. I think we need more Ozzymen in Liga.
1: I think Leo, Leo. are happy with him. He got He got both goals, didn't he? Yeah, 20-year-old there? Nigerian international, fresh back
3: from the Africa Cup of Nations. So athletic. And what finishing ability. Mm. I mean, uh, I wasn't very impressed with mola the signing from Udinese, who played centre-back from Nantes, who should have done better against Aussie men for both goals. But uh, the finishes were utterly brilliant. And he was prolific for Charlois in the Belgian league last season, about a goal every other game. Uh, but big responsibility to come in with Raphael Leal, uh, AC Milan and Nicola Pepe off at Arsenal. Who's going to get the goals this season? Loic Remy was suspended. He couldn't have asked a better start and it was the quality of the finishes that suggest to me that he's a 20 goal plus man this season it reminded me quite a lot and I did I do do some preparation for this show I watched a few Gibral Sissé videos this morning because he's got that way of taking the ball wider the defender in the inside right position inside the box and getting the shot back across the other way which was so effective for Sise when he was top scorer I think in the 2 3 season and I can see Aussie men he's sharper than Sissé He's not as quite as powerfully built, but he's going to score an awful lot of goals this season. And I was also really impressed with Yazidji, the record signing.
1: I was going to ask you to pronounce that for me. Well, he Ye- pronounced Yezidji. it.
3: Thankfully, he pronounced it himself in the press conference. One of our French colleagues had the good idea of asking him how to pronounce his name. and Yusuf Yazidji, sixteen and a half million euros from yep. Trabzonspor, record, about record transfer, record signing, Leon. a fifth of what they sold Nicolas Pepe to Arsenal for. Lovely left foot. He links play. He's going to be the playmaker in this system, and that's going to allow Jonathan Ikone to play wide. Ikone was sensational in the first half yesterday. Not so good in the second half, but Great I am starting day. to Great warm to, to him. Day. Yeah. But <laughs> Yazidje, really good. Can't wait to see Yazidje and Aussie men in tandem all season.
0: And Christophe Galtier was uh, talking after the game as well about the the, the level that you talked about Luz Campos, the level of work done in terms of keeping an eye on Aussie men. I mean, he's not far away, just across the border in Belgium. Mm. Uh, 16 goals in the Belgian League last season, and he said that Luis Campos had been. This is a player they pinpointed from well back into last season as a as a possible reinforcement for this campaign. A different type of player, somebody they never Euros. had before. Exactly, yeah, and and they they were already thinking we're going to lose Nicolas Pepe, we're going to lose. We all thought that Rafael Leao would stay, but they they were obviously prepared for him to move on, and they had Hen lined up, and and they knew what they were getting, and he's he's certainly something different. Brilliant finishes.
2: Well, I think that's th- that's the key to what. Campos achieves and and perhaps it's when you people say you take risks you take a punt on these players that the main leagues haven't heard of with him I get the feeling that it's not at all a risk they're not taking risks and and that explains Monaco's success while he was there as well changing squads each season bringing in young players that no one had ever heard of from in France and elsewhere I I heard an interesting discussion about him from from well-placed people about how he operates. He has 10 head scouts around the world that work for him. He doesn't he he works for himself. He's his own consultancy company and he moves these 10 head scouts around. They have there are networks of other scouts operating at, at various levels and only when 3 of the scouts all name the same player as one without talking to each other when they when they move around 2 months 2 months in every area in every territory and when the t- same name
1: comes back Three times, then they move for him. It's interesting. And is, is he is he very data um, involved as well? Like because you know the scouting that people say these days there's very much two different approaches to scouting. You've got all these One on the complex. One I think that yeah, the, the data
3: that Gerard Lopez is looking at is this trading model that he wanted to bring mm-hmm. into Lille, and they sold for 160 million, and they've signed for about yeah. 65 million. And well, let's put a caveat in here because. If this podcast had been launched two years ago, I also commentated Lille Nantes on the opening day of the season. Lille beat Nantes 3-0. It was mm-hmm. a much better performance mm-hmm. than yesterday's. It was Bielsa's first game, and I'd have been raving about the pressing game, how Thiago Mendes looked amazing, how mm-hmm. they were going to have a good season, and they ended up, as we all know, oh, with Bielsa fast going fast. and Galtier saving them from relegation.
0: That's the, that's the downside to this, isn't it? Because they were so great last season, and you always knew that when this team... Mm finishes second gets into the Champions League we're not going to get the chance to see what they've done you'll be delighted that Nicolas Pepe has gone to Arsenal Matt fair enough but obviously it, it is a shame but Monaco this, did it and won team. the league Yeah, but and you made know, the Champions League semi-finals yeah, well, but then it the reached cha- its limits. the system of that reached its limit Lille, you think, can't uh, do it uh, year after because year. Campos left perhaps but it's, 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 it's hard to see Lille doing too much in the Champions League this season which is a shame it's a shame for them it's a shame for French football given the level they were at last season, to, to repeat well, that well, it's this time true, is, it's is going to be very difficult. They,
3: they are capable of replacing players quickly because which other league and club could cope with their two first-choice left-backs being sold in the space of six months? Mm-hmm. Palo Toure went to Monaco <laughs> and then Kone and then, went to oh, Lyon. Yeah. And now they've got two other left-backs. Reynaldo was there mm-hmm. for the second half of last season, the Mozambican international. And Braderich the 19-year-old Croatian under-21s player, looked pretty good yesterday, quite an attacking fullback. Because everything's planned and they know what's, what's coming six months down the line.
1: You're listening to Le Beau Je, the uh, official League 1 podcast available on iTunes, Deezer, SoundCloud, Spotify and everything else uh, you can think of. You can email us at uh, League podcast at gmail.com. We're enjoying the expert views of David Cross and Robbie Thompson, Andy Scott and occasionally myself. We are going to pick out a youngster to uh, to keep our eyes on, something we did Last season, and uh, I got a, I got a, I made a really good choice, I have to say. William Saliba, who uh, Arsenal were clearly listening to Le Beaujeu and they went and splashed thirty um, odd million euros on him. Um, so, shall I start? Shall I go, Matt. Shall I go for it? Because I've got another Arsenal link, actually. Put that um, record I, on the line. I was hesitating between two players because I, I watched, um, well, I commentated actually Marseille against Rouse and uh, Bubaca Camera for me. At 19 years of age, he look he looks like the real deal. He's a, a really strong, quick, composed centre-back. And Marseille lost 2-0 to Rams, but Boubacar Camara, I think, is going to go on to have a, a big season. I think Marseille should be very careful because he's not signing that contract. He's out of contract in a year. Um, so so that's an issue for them. But he was then outshone by one of my chouchous, as they say in France, um, Jeff Ren Adelaide, who uh, who left Arsenal for just one and a half million uh, last year and I think um, you should explain shoo-shoo Matt because that really is, doesn't work um, in English it's like a, f- like a favourite a darling <laughs> uh, yeah <All> right. <laughs> shoo-shoo does um, fan- fan- Jeff fan- know this favorite. and Jeff he does now Jeff was Shoo-shoe. excellent um, towards the end of last season really did uh, start you know showing off that that huge potential he has still only 21 even though he was at Arsenal for a few years after joining from Lens um, had a, a, an impressive Euro Under 21 Championship with uh, with France And a lot of teams are looking at him and Angers are sort of accepting that they will probably have to sell him in August because they're getting offers thought to be in excess of 20 million already. So his value, Arsenal fans, I'm sorry to say this, his value has gone up more than 16 times in the last 12 years in terms of what Arsenal sold him for. And uh, he's he's reminding me a little bit of... uh, He's not exactly the same as Abu Diaby, but he has that same sort of long stride and that strength in possession. And uh, yeah, I think hope he's not he's as
0: injury-prone. Ha- injury problems? I hope he's not as injury-prone
1: well, as Abu he, Diaby. He had a few injuries at Arsenal. Hopefully, he's not as injury-prone as Diaby. Monaco and Lyon are among the teams looking to sign him. So, I hope if he does leave Angers, I hope he'll stay in Liga. There you go. Jeff. anyone else? So, next, next young gun to, to look out for. Robbie's got his little finger up.
2: Uh, I'm going to go for a young gun who's perhaps not such a young gun anymore. And I've just <laughs> checked Vitorino right. Hilton. And I've just you checked his age. You aid. can't say
1: Mbappe because we all know him. <laughs> uh,
2: uh, uh, Adama Traore. Who is Which at one? Monaco. The Monaco youngster. And I'm just looking at his stats because he, he caught my eye in 2014-15 at Lille. Played half the season. Really came on. Was, was very impressive. Moved to Monaco. I expected big things of him. And I'm just looking at his stats He's had injuries. on League One.com, He's had very serious injuries. Yeah. He was named best player at the Under-20 World Cup in 2015, the FIFA Under-20 World Cup. He was the best player in the tournament. Since then, six matches, five matches, three matches, six matches. He came off the bench uh, on Friday night against Lyon. Adama Traore, if he can put together a proper season injury-free... He is a class midfielder.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. And Robbie picked out Boulay Dia last season to, to look out for and we kind of made a bit of fun of that because he, uh, just he a looked a bit, bit clumsy. Yes. He's had a great start yeah. to the season. He scored one and made one for Rouse at the Velodrome in, in that 2-0 win on Saturday. Yeah, I
3: picked Rafael Leal last season. Um, so I would have picked Aussie men, but I've said everything that I wanted to say about <laughs> Aussie men in the previous section. So I'm going to pick someone else. I'm going to pick a 16-year-old.
1: Let's go for proper young players, Rob. Mm. Eduardo Camavinga <laughs> of Rennes yeah um, he does look good but hang on because I've, I've been seeing this weekend he had a great game and everyone's saying wow just 16 but I commentated the Trophée de Champion and I was reliably informed that he turned 17 the Wednesday before so how come he's he's gone down in the last week because I because I've, I've, his I've birthday people-
3: is November the 10th, 2002, and but- we're in 2019.
1: <laughs> You're suggesting I didn't do my research well enough for the trophy de Champion. But <laughs> I've, I've heard various people say that he's still only 16. I think he's 17, and I'm standing by that. <laughs> Despite all no, evidence sorry, to sorry, the contrary. Dave, tell us about, news, tell <laughs> us about him. news, Matt. Uh, tell us about him. But he, he's- he debuted
3: last year, didn't he, Dave? He did. He did, towards the end of last season. I know he's a big favourite of our friend and colleague Armel Tongis, and as Armel's not here this week, I've decided to steal his player. So Kamavinga's sixteen but plays with that maturity that you don't often see from a player in his position in the central midfield area. Against Montpellier in the one 0 win scored uh the winning goal scored by a, a less young player, Jeremy Morel, who's thirty-five. Mm-hmm. Um, he tried forty-one passes, forty of them found their target,
1: and uh He's got a good passing Lays. range. Imagine doing that at 16 in the top flight. Oh, incredible. What were
3: you doing when you were 16? <laughs> Not getting picked for the watching, school first f- team. Watching
1: football still. Don't think I can say on this podcast.
0: Um, <laughs> Andy, who's your pick? Well, the, 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 I'm actually thinking of somebody who's a, a bit older because obviously yeah. we're at the start of a season when so many players of young talents have moved on and you think, who's the fresh ones coming through? And we have players like Camavinga who we got glimpses of at the end of last season. You talked about... Jeff Ren Adelaide uh, at Angers, who That's had cool. already.
1: Talk, you said it the French way, right? Adelaide. Adelaide, yeah, who had already Not been. like the was already man on, City. The,
0: on the radar of a number of bigger clubs before he played very well at the weekend. And in that same game, uh, Mathias Pereira Lage, who I think is only 22. Does that count as young? I think so. Yeah, yeah, you just about. Yeah. yeah. Um, first okay, first so he's, so he's young. a young player. He is the, the example of what a lot of uh, middle ranking French clubs do. They lose the best players, they look into the second division, Domino's Ligue 2. For uh, for exciting talents coming through there, so Pereira Lage was playing ball- particularly brilliant at like that. Yeah, and and they did that with Tukoe Camby and, and a number of other players in in the recent past. And obviously they sold Tukoe Camby on for a lot of money, and Pereira Lage might just be the next one because he came from Clermont, a very uh, modest second division club where he did well. Uh, he has Portuguese heritage and uh, he's come in and he's he's had a fantastic start with a goal in his uh, on his debut against Bordeaux. Just before we, we wrap up, we are getting towards the end of the pod,
1: but uh, I would like to talk about Marseille because it was an important weekend. It was André Boas's uh, first league 1 game as Marseille boss. They were playing at home against Rennes, and here is what happened. Oh, what a chance for Rennes. Dia! Now Rennes take the lead. Booker gets away from Gustavo. Through ball. This is Diar, and surely, yes, Rennes have done it. It's Souk. Hyunjun Suk, the South Korean, doubles Rouse's advantage, and it's a disastrous start for Marseille's new coach, Andre Viesboas. So, a 2 0 defeat, as commentated by, by yours truly. Sorry, I didn't give myself the, the introduction there. Robbie's tip, Bulai Dia, scoring the first goal and then setting up Jun Suk, the Korean, who also scored against Marseille last season for a, for a late second. And Rouse were Good value for that win. Solid as ever. They've they've lost some some important players. Um, Engels, the centre back, has uh, has gone to to Aston Villa. They've got injuries as well. Poor old Arba Zanelli, who we really enjoyed last season, has has done his uh, cruciate ligaments. Um, but for Marseille, problems. Real problems because they created virtually nothing in that game. Um, they had two new signings. They've made two new signings. They were both. On the bench, Alvaro Gonzalez, um, who's coming from Villarreal, the uh, the centre back, and um, Dario Benedetto. Lots of hope being pinned on uh, on on Benedetto, the Argentine striker, who's joined from Boca. He came on towards the end. I think he played 20 minutes. didn't get didn't get much of a kick. Uh, Villas-Boas has got a big big job because it's the same old group. It's the same the same questions. You know, can Luis Gustavo and Kevin Struttman play play together in midfield? I'm not sure. Um, is Valerjermann able to play as a, as a solitary centre-forward? He showed again on Saturday, no. Um, is Radjanić worth a start? He suggested again on Saturday, no. Um, so, villas you know, he's been saying, we're going for top three, podium's our aim. Is that is that realistic, guys? Because on Saturday's evidence, I don't think they can do that.
3: I think last week I predicted Marseille to finish third. And I don't want to leap to hasty conclusions, but if they're going to have any chance of that they've got to improve drastically and it is the same diagnosis as towards the end of last season it's a, an immobile ageing squad I just don't see the vitality that we associated with Marseille in that season when they were unlucky to miss out on Champions League qualification and made the Europa League final maybe Florian Tovan coming back will help in part but he needs help he can't carry the team on his own
1: I, I was going to say Florian Chabrol who uh, who, who came on 21 year old youth team product and that is what the uh, the Marseille fans want to see he got a massive ovation. He he tried a few sort of Nasri Valbuena type step overs and trip and just kind of fell over his feet most of the time. He, you know, he 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 struggled and at 21, I'm you know I'm not sure this guy has has got the quality necessary. But Robbie, you know Villas-Boas has has said the club's in financial trouble or in terms of financial fair play, they can't bring in any new players. So so where does he go from here?
2: Well, I think that I think this and. Obviously, the biggest problem for Villas-Boas, for me, is the environment he's in. The, the press on the morning after the game, were it was vitriol. The front page, the back page, the sports pages, everything about this is just a disaster. How can this be? So much work to do. Real, almost insulting the players. Villas-Boas took over a, a club that was hitting rock bottom. With Rudy Garcia, there are problems in the squad, there are players, there's financial fair play issues. You can't expect him to turn it around in just two months when he still hasn't been able to bring in that many new players and do his thing. It's going to take time, but you don't rebuild a club as big as Marseille and with such expectations on them in just one month of pre-season.
0: But he knew what he was getting himself into, right? He must have known when he took the job that he was not going to be able to... And he probably thought he had more than 90 players. minutes to try and I'm turn sh- things of around. Of course, yeah, but he that's the other thing about the environment in Marseille. you yeah, know there what,
1: such- the fans, there, there was a very big crowd actually at the uh, at the Velodrome and they were there was a lot of positivity, particularly in the first half, compared to last season where everybody was against Garcia and turning yeah. on the players. Um, they were very much behind the team, behind vs boas And as soon as Rans started scoring goals... The vitriol was aimed at Jacques Henriero, the 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 president. They're, so, you know, I don't think they're going to be attacking Vias Boas, and I don't think they're going to attack the players, although Valerie Germain got quite a few boos when he went off.
3: I'm going to say they've actually got a, a bigger squad with more depth now than they did in 2012 2013 when Elie Bope was the coach, and they started off, I think, with six straight six wins straight, at yeah. the start mm-hmm. of the season. Because by the time we got to November of that year, people might remember this name. If you don't, I advise you to look at some videos on the internet Fabrice Aprouss. He was a delivery driver who was needed to play against Bordeaux because they had such a small squad. It, it was very, very funny. I am mean, fair play to him. He was he 27 very, when he made his debut. He was. He didn't let's just like say he was he? a little
0: bit. He looked like he'd enjoyed his summer. <laughs> the other thing to say about Marseille is that you know they don't look like a team who'll finish in the top three, but I think as you guys discussed last week, not there's not a clear top three or four at the moment in league, and there's definitely space for somebody to come through and and stake a claim this season. And Villas-Boys will need time. Maybe Marseille will improve. We shouldn't rush to conclusions just yet.
1: Well, uh, we haven't talked about Saint-Étienne. They won 2-1 uh, away to Dijon there, probably in with a shout, I, th- I would say, of, uh, of a podium finish. Very early days, but they've got a good squad. And, uh, and they
3: scored what was my goal of the week, or my favourite goal yeah. of the week. Artistically, the Wabi-Kazri pass and the Roma-Amuma finish. Brilliant. And Boudabo's free kick showed what a threat he's going to be from set pieces. I think they've done great business there, getting him in and selling Cabela.
1: Before we sign off, guys, let's let's go on a on a on a journey because in August we know that the French love to get on their train, they love to travel, and that's what we're going to do next weekend. We're going to have a look at, at the League 1 fixtures and decide where we want to go. And I think one choice and one choice only. Um, so so let's go for it.
3: Well, I mentioned earlier that August the 15th is a public holiday, so I'm going to set off a bit early. I'm going to set off on the evening of the 14th, get myself down to the Lyon region, enjoy some food in the culinary capital of France, take in Lyon-Angers on Friday night, have a, a Saturday in Lyon, then head over to Saint-Etienne in time for lunch and Saint-Etienne-Brest on Sunday.
1: Wonderful. Ligue That's a and come shout, the weekend. But will you watch the multiplex on Saturday night? Because there are some, some big matches. Nîmes against Nice is a southern derby. You know what? You gonna... Yes. Yes. I'll say yes. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. And who? The other question: Who will Jeffrey and Adelaide be playing for, um, Lyon or Angers on Friday night? Angers. <laughs> <laughs> the chances are they're not going to get a transfer done in August, are they? In in a matter of, in a matter of days. Thank you very much, David. That looks like. Uh, sorry, David. That looks <laughs> okay. like. <Ma> David. <laughs> that looks like a great weekend you have lined up. So it just remains for for David Robert and Andy, also known as Andy. Um, to wish you a, a very good week and we'll be back with uh, Le Bourge again next week from me, Matt Spiro and the rest of the team, it's au revoir et à bientôt Bye bye Absolute beauty for Florian Thauber Oh
0: the pass is brilliant for Pepe Thauber The Saint-Etienne has surely won it in the 89th minute Oh, oh what a goal And Kylian Mbappé wraps it up